This is London Calling. London Calling. The president was reflecting the very high stakes that uh, they're in in play right now, Martha, when you have a uh, modern nuclear power and the leader of that modern nuclear power willing to use irresponsible rhetoric the way that Mr. Putin has uh, several times in just the last week or two, uh, as well as uh, the, the high tensions in Ukraine uh, over just the course of the last few days. So the president, I think, was accurately reflecting uh, the fact that the stakes are very high right now. Welcome to London Calling with me, James Dellingpot, and my very good friend, Mr. Toby Young. I think, Toby, you're, you're going to have to do the heavy lifting this week because I'm, I'm, I'm still feeling a bit a bit ropey. I don't know why. It's, um, what, have you got, like, a, a winter cold? No, no, I, I had that, and I'm, but, but I think it's something else. My, my, my latest theory, I, my, my latest obsession is, is mercury poisoning. I just, as you know, um, they they contrive to kill us every which way, and I think that, um, yeah, there are always kind of ticking time bombs in 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 the bodies of those are, those of us who are sensitive to this kind of thing. Well, um, um, how would you have got mercury poisoning just from mercury and oh, fish? From, that from kind am- of thing? amalgam amalgam fillings. I mean, it, oh, it, okay, yeah. It, it astonishes me that that some of the things that they do, for example, they put mercury in your mouth when when you know heavy metals and have always been. It, you know, it's not a new thing that 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 mercury is bad for you. You think about the Mad Hatter. The, ma- the reason the Mad Hatter was mad was because he was he was poisoned by the mercury that that gets gets um you know in in the in the hat making process. Yes. And and similarly similarly the idea that even now dentists will tell you that fluoride is a good thing when in fact it's uh, an industrial waste product which would never be allowed anywhere near um, a human body. So I don't know. Yeah. Um. That, that, this is my working theory, and I'm 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 I'm. <laughs> I'm not feeling good. Whatever, whatever's calling it. But causing that's it. that's quite a depressing theory because, I mean, doesn't that suggest that you won't get better if um, if you've been poisoned, uh, or, no, or is there no, is there a way you, to address no, it? No, you can. You you can what's known as collate the metals, the heavy metals, out of you. But unfortunately, before you do that, you've got to get every last vestige of amalgam filling. Um, out of your mouth right because if you don't what happens is that the collation process spreads all the mercury around you and makes you even worse what, what is the is what, what is uh, the collation process oh there are these things that you can take there are various things which are collators everything from i think spirulina and chlorella to um something called zeolite clay to there, there, there are all sorts of things you can get but it's but it's but it's quite a complicated arduous process the only thing is that at least eventually you you, you get rid of all the nasty. Um, I mean, the thing about having amalgam fillings, and I don't, I don't think I don't think everyone everyone I don't think everyone has this effect. Um, you know, some people seem to get away scot free, but for other others, the, even the process of abrasion. You know, when you're eating food, or, or say you had coriander, which is another collator, that that can that can sort of inflame it and get and get it get it sort of. Um, little bits of of mercury poisoning coming out in you and and causing anxiety attacks or or any, any number of symptoms i mean this hasn't really been properly examined but i'm i'm hoping to talk to a to a an expert on this on one of my podcasts sometime and i'll, I'll get chapter and verse I'm, I'm just giving you giving you what i've what i've been reading right. on the internet today yeah, well i'm sorry you're not feeling very well but it sounds like no. it sounds like it might be something you know um, more common um, uh, or, or more more pedestrian than mercury. I, well, the thing is, terms my 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 considered view now is that is that actually a lot of the health conditions that people have, or a lot of the problems we have, are actually man made. That 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 our immune systems are actually left to their. If if, if we ate a good diet, we'd be we'd be fine. I don't feel a hundred percent, but um, I think I am coming down with a cold, and um, also I've made the mistake of. Of, of taking two days off um, drinking um, and that always makes me feel a lot worse um, I find that you know if I give my, my body an opportunity to detox um, then I suddenly feel a lot more toxic at least for 48 hours maybe I'll start to improve if I continue to not drink but I think that's probably unlikely um, oh and it's very depressing when people who who used to drink stop drinking or whatever in, in the same way I got incredibly disappointed with Rod Little 
when I read his column about how he'd given up smoking. You know, I think if some people are meant to carry on smoking for their end to the end of their lives, Rod Little is one of them, and. and it yeah, he's he more of, determined to actually to to increase my smoking. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I was I always thought of Rod as a sort of smoker, not because he enjoyed it, because he was sort of performing a public service. Yeah, and yeah, and exactly. st- st- striking a blow for freedom on behalf. Well, what's of, he hoping to achieve yeah. by this? What he wants to live longer for? What? What, <laughs> what, what? What's going to happen in this in those extra few years of life? He's going to he may possibly have grabbed himself. It's pathetic. Oh. I mean, it's actually it's, it makes you. Look like look like me, Tobes. I mean, in terms of cuckishness, I think that's the most cuckish thing I've ever read. I haven't I hadn't read that. I'll have to I'll have to look at that column. I'm trying to persuade Rod to be an after dinner speaker at a, a, an upcoming Free Speech Union fundraiser. So I um yeah I, I, I certainly don't want to be rude about him in any shape or form. Um, I'm a no, huge, well, I'll, I'll do that, huge that fan. Rod Rod is a cuck, <laughs> and there's an end to it. So James, um, I don't know if you've been following um, PayPal's latest. Um, troubles oh i have <laughs> it's been rather delicious hasn't it well actually tapes i might not be up to speed with the very latest development i tell you, i tell you what happened the last time i looked so paypal having having been defeated by you in the that that you'd shown them up and they'd reinstated your account but the bigger picture with what they then did was they announced i mean this was so weird i can't believe that they would have done this you know surely they have they have sort of pr advisors telling them this is a bad thing but it shows yeah. how brazen they are they announced that if in future i think coming from november anyone any of their account holders who breach their their speech laws their speech code would be liable to a fine of two and a half thousand dollars yes so so like my patreon account is currently linked to paypal so that would mean that any time, any time I did a podcast, any time which said something that PayPal disagreed with, which it's bound to do, being so disgustingly woke and pro-vaccine and, and, all, and all the rest, it could just randomly confiscate two and a half grand from me. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the idea is it would just simply would just simply take that scoop it out of its customers deposits assuming they had that much in there and if they didn't have that much in there presumably you'd then owe paypal the money (laughs) so you wouldn't be able to close your account either until you until you managed to pay them (laughs) has there been about have they since rescinded this yeah they have so so well um, i think i think um you know the announcement of this policy um hard on the heels of um, its embarrassment over trying and failing to close my three accounts. Um, uh, it, it, lots of people, I mean, it's lots of people thought, jeepers, I'm no longer safe uh, with PayPal because if I happen to say something they disagree with, you know, f- f- because politically they disapprove of my views, um, they could find me two and a half grand. Um, so lots of people, I mean, probably into the thousands, possibly the hundreds of thousands started trying to close their PayPal accounts, which, which isn't easy. Um, and uh, and I think PayPal panicked, so bankrupt PayPal and and close your PayPal account were trending on Twitter over the weekend. And I think PayPal panicked and did a quick reverse ferret and announced that um, this update to its acceptable use policy um, had been announced in error. So in effect, one one of the sins, <laughs> yeah. James, one of the sins you could end up being fined two thousand five hundred dollars for by PayPal was um, spreading misinformation, and PayPal effectively said, "No, no, ignore what we said. That was misinformation." <laughs> it's as though, but imagine what the real story is, though. If if the cover story is, um, it was misinformation. That that's the good. That's the spin they're putting on this, uh, and that's embarrassing enough. So what, what what has really gone on? I mean, I imagine what's really gone on is they've just panicked and done a reverse ferret. I mean, the irony, James, is that the CEO of PayPal, Dan Schulman, gave a speech at Davos, predictably enough, in January of this year, um, in which he said that the difference between good companies and great companies is trust. And the way to build trust is not just to deliver, you know, an excellent product or an outstanding service. It's to go beyond that and try and make the world a better place. Live by your values, your social justice values. Um, and actually, that's what precisely what has undermined trust in PayPal. The fact that it's 
pursued it's so uh, zealously pursued this social justice agenda even to the extent of saying we will fine our customers two and a half thousand dollars if they say something disagreeable is what's caused people to very rapidly stop trusting the brand anyway so 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 they've now said they've now done a reverse ferret and said they're not going to do this after all um but i think lots of people are concerned i think people are still trying to close their accounts because um they're worried that paypal may change its mind again do you do you think that this is of a piece with so many of the other things we've seen it's my view that for example the when the governments our various governments bullied us all bribed us all blackmailed us all in any number of ways into taking this uh, experimental gene therapy um that that they were trying to see how much they could get away with so they, they pushed it thus far and then no more when they met with resistance it's 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 that lenin thing isn't it push with the bayonet and if you feel mush carry on pushing uh, and only stop when you feel steel or whatever uh, that's that's the, that's the principle and i think that that it applies to everything from from vaccines to to speech policies they, they just they just want to know how brainwashed and compliant they are before they launch into the next stage yeah it's interesting you should, uh, i just thought of an amusing thing we can do james you you, you use the phrase experimental gene therapy to describe the yeah. covid19 vaccines i imagine that would be that would be a, a strike, a misinformation strike, as far as PayPal are concerned. And assuming its policy remained in place and it was cumulative, then you've already, I think you're already, you're already on the hook for two and a half grand. I'm going to record how indebted which, you're going to be to PayPal at the end of this would, podcast. <laughs> which bit would they try and get me on? I mean, it is, it is still experimental. I think, I think it's, it hasn't passed its stage three trial phase yet. Um, Certainly, that, some of them don't finish that that phase until nineteen. Uh, I think. Uh, I think if you. I think. I think. It, I think amongst the vaccine um, proponents, Nazis. the 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 phrase "gene therapy" is thought to be uh, misleading um, uh, because it doesn't actually alter your DNA. Um, that's the. Or so they. So they. So they claim. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of stuff they've they've claimed, which has since emerged to be. Um, completely wrong and, and and the things that they've shut people down for saying have since emerged to be completely true so so yeah i mean well, I, yeah a, a good example of that james and i think how you know the big social media companies and possibly even paypal in due course may have to revise their covid19 misinformation policies um i don't know if you saw but the um surgeon general of florida um said um uh, i think on friday um that um uh, he, he tweeted that um, uh, Florida was no longer recommending mRNA vaccines for 18 to 39 year old men uh, due to the fact that it that, that being vaccinated uh, elevates their risk of death from heart problems by 84 um, percent. And uh, and this follows, you know, close on the heels of Denmark and Norway um, recommending that you know, um, uh, pe- healthy people under a certain age with the no underlying health conditions um, don't get vaccinated, don't take the booster. Uh, so this seems to be a kind of, you know, developing global trend. Um, health authorities, health pangendrums, surgeon generals, um, or surgeons general, I believe the plural is, um, uh, gradually rec- withdrawing their recommendations. But Twitter um, decided in its wisdom um, to delete this tweet by the Florida Surgeon General, um, uh, <laughs> deciding that even though he is the Surgeon General of Florida, um, some dweeb fact checker at Twitter knows more about the mRNA vaccines and the risk profile than him. Um, so it deleted the tweet, uh, but it's now reinstated the tweet after a massive backlash. But that, that's an example of how <laughs> how out of date these COVID-19 vaccine misinformation policies are but i don't suppose i don't suppose um paypal would forgive you for describing the mrna vaccines as experimental gene therapy i think that would definitely be a two thousand five hundred dollar strike anyway that's strike one james let's see how much you can end up owing well, paypal the by the end of the, this podcast I, the thing that bothers me about obviously it's nice that the attorney general and that's an important post in in florida that's an important state says says this stuff but they always pull their punches don't they they always say stuff like 
oh, only these categories of people should not take it. What they should be saying, if they were honest, I mean, that they must know by now, is that nobody should take these things, which oh, don't protect you from getting it. Strike they, two. And, and strike two. Got, That's $5,000 now, James. Yeah, they've, they, they, they do far more, far more harm than good. They're, they're wrong in every way. It, it, it's the same. Look, I, I applaud our own cardiologist, uh, um, uh, uh, Asim Malhotra, yes, you know, who is a, who is a prominent media-friendly cardiologist who who came out, I think, last week saying, "Look, I was supporting the jab um, in the early days, and I was urging everyone to get it to save Granny, whatever." But then I, I I've come to realise that it's actually really harmful, and I wouldn't recommend it. We should we should be we should stop using it right now. It killed my dad, and it's it's going to kill a lot of other other people too. But even then, even despite knowing all that he knows, he it was still like, yeah, but all the other vaccines are absolutely fine. You know, the, the vaccine industry gem, generally is, is, is wonderful and, and, and has brought tremendous health benefits to mankind. Well, it, that ain't true. It just is objectively untrue. The only reason we've got a vaccine industry is that, 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 that Big Pharma essentially controls all the newspapers, all the medical correspondence, it, it bribes all the doctors. That's, what, that's the only reason why we think that, that, that vaccines are, a, are a, a, one of the great public health inventions of the last 200 years. It's nonsense. So I, I, we, we seem to be getting sort of partial truth bombs, you know, little little truth bombs, but not the whole truth. It almost as though this is a controlled release of information, that, it, that it's, it's re- releasing little bits of the, of the pressure um, as, as the public becomes more and more aware that these death jabs, uh, there's another strike. These death another strike, jabs are 7,500. Really, <laughs> really, really harmful. One, one of the, possibly the biggest um, public health abomination of, of all time, the greatest scientific scandal of all time. But, but they recognise that, that it would be too much for the public to take all at once. So they have to get this information drip fed. Oh, yes, maybe vaccines are bad for some categories. And, and so on and on it goes. I don't know. I think you know, we're, we're approaching the reveal stage of the, of, the, of the pandemic. And if you look at the, the SPARS paper, which was produced, I think, in 2019 or maybe 2017 by the John Hopkins Institute, it actually mapped out the, 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 the trajectory of this fake pandemic, uh, including the stage, which is on fake page pandemic, 59. Fake pandemic, James. That's, that's another, yeah, that's another yeah, fight. Another one. All the, that's another one. Or the pandemic. Pandemic, uh, right. ten thousand. The the, the um, on page fifty nine, you, you'll find that you get to the stage where, oh, people now realise that these vaccines have caused caused uh, massive amounts of harm. How do we do the damage limitation? And uh, yeah, it's it, it's all playing out. So I, I I although I applaud the 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 revelations we're having so far, they're not going far enough. Um, before we move on from PayPal, um. I, I've been sort of pondering whether or not um, I'm partly responsible for its current difficulties, um, because oh, yeah. um, it, it may be that, um, you know, it was advised by its lawyers that it had to reopen my three accounts because when looking at the small print of its acceptable use policy, it hadn't quite given itself license to close my account without risking um, being liable for damages. So maybe it updated its policy in order to just make it easier in future to close the accounts of people it disagrees with, with complete impunity, without any liability at all. Um, that's one possibility. Another possibility is that its reopening of my accounts caused an internal revolt amongst its 20-something woke staff. And so to yeah. placate them, it said, oh, no, um, we're not in any way resiling on our commitment to your social justice agenda. Look, we're going to update our acceptable use policy so we can fine people like James Dellingpole $2,500 every time he uses the phrase death jab. Um, uh, So that's, or or it may just be a complete coincidence. Um, But um, uh, one one thing I've been worrying about or fantasizing about is 
maybe this is the digital equivalent of a run on a bank. So, you know, lots of people try and close their PayPal accounts simultaneously. Presumably, PayPal doesn't have that money, you know, simply sitting in people's accounts. Rather, it's, you know, invested that money, as banks do, um, predicting they won't be withdrawing it all at once. Um, uh, but it's invested it in, you know, securities and gilts and investment like funds and God knows theory. what else. And, and it can't liquidate um, these um, investments without incurring massive financial penalties and effectively going under. Um, so it could be that this is the equivalent of, you know, Northern Rock. Um, Did you uh, make this up yourself? No, no, Did I didn't. Uh, so, 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 no, um, uh, 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 a financial um, analyst has, has said to me that um, I may be single-handedly responsible for bringing down bankrupting PayPal. Um, I, I, and I've been, one, I, first of all, I, I, I have to say, I don't think that's true. If you look at PayPal's um, share price, it, it's fallen a little bit um, uh, since this kind of uh, crazy policy was announced and hasn't climbed back up that much since the reverse ferret, but it's not collapsing. Um, so in all likelihood, you know, it's not about to go under. But I was sort of thinking, if it does go under, is it something we should celebrate or regret? I mean, on the one hand, you know, lots of small depositors and small businesses um, will lose their money. And so that's not great. Um, but on you know, businesses may go out of business as a consequence. But on the other hand, you know, it would send a very clear message to the rest of the sector. If you try and impose these woke speech codes on your customers, um, they may well revolt and you may well end up going under. It would be the ultimate go woke, go broke kind of object lesson, um, morality tale. Um, uh, so it might be a way of staving off the eventual emergence of a Chinese dog social credit system here but i think on balance i hope it doesn't go bust because um uh, i mean <laughs> that would be a lot for me to bear on my on my shoulders but also I mean, no, I, I think, thinking about all the, be kind of cool all, all the all the small customers that would suffer you know they, they wouldn't thank me i don't think no i'd be impressed you could go around calling yourself paypal slayer paypal slayer anyway should we hear yeah. from one of our sponsors james i think um, we should let me do the first one you can do the second i'll do the third we've got three today the world just like your business is changing fast so when you need a new hire you have to find them asap for top talent you need indeed indeed is the hiring platform where you attract interview and hire all in one place don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments and Virtual Interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose CVs on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Join 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 16 hires were made on Indeed. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from C CVs in our database matching your job description. Visit indeed.com slash London to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com slash London. Indeed.com slash London. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, James, what else has been going on? What do we think about Liz Trust? Do you think uh, the Tory party is going to oh, stick do, do with you... her or is it going to twist and go for someone First else? First of all... Before we go on to that, did you get attacked and, di and how did you handle yourself oh, by the mob at the conference? No, um, s someone, um, s someone, someone, uh, someone did shout Tory scum um, uh, uh, as, I, yeah. as, I, as I walked into conference. You didn't, after, you didn't after do speaking an eye to you. or anything like that. No, well, I, I, I did say, you know, actually, um, I'm a journalist. I work for The Spectator. I'm also the General Secretary of the Free Speech Union and I'm going in there. I'm entering the lion's den to stand up for freedom, not just my freedom, but your freedom too. And, uh, you know, he paused for a couple of seconds and then screamed Tory scum again. Uh, and I did feel slightly <laughs> cowardly because um, in addition to being a journalist and the General Secretary of the Free Speech Union, I am a member of the Conservative Party. So in a way, he was right. Um, so, uh, yes. Was there, was there anyone at all Team Jamesy there? Or were they all just like 
you know cucks like yourself no i did a few people did come up to me um uh, and say they were you know that they listened to london calling and they were team james yeah the the, the, the fringier the fringe event i went to the more yeah. kind of nut jobs and fruitcakes there were yep. there the more likely there were to be team james people would um, they have, do you think any of those events would have been hardcore enough for me probably not you probably would have thought even the most hardcore were complete cucks i imagine by your standards that's what I thought. Anyway, you were asking me about Liz Truss and about... I'll tell you uh, what astonished me about that whole Liz Truss business. I mean, as you know, I don't think it, it matters ultimately. Um, but I, I thought it was very weird and clearly orchestrated the way that, that she was ref- forced to perform that reverse ferret over the, over the tax rate, over... The, the, the apparently there was this huge pressure on the government in the markets uh, on the pound blah 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 and that this was a sign that she and and her chancellor quasi Kwarteng had had made a terrible error and it was it was it was symptomatic of their inexperience and stupidity and blah 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 this seems to me the whole thing seems to be completely have been completely confected some somebody somewhere decided that the media was going to launch this attack and you and you you see gove (laughs) prince of darkness was lurking in the background the 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 mandelson of the tory party as, as he's been described he was he was pouring petrol on the flames but i i would love to know who was behind this this obviously not organic obviously obviously organized Response, because actually the reason that the pound was tumbling was 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 more to do with dollar strength than pound weakness, and 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 the pound pretty much you know bounced back anyway. So it, it wasn't it wasn't the version of events that was portrayed in in the media, and I I smell a rat. Do you not? No, I just smell general incompetence on the media's part um, for it's and also, not, also a desire to for incompetence, weren't you? But also a kind of desire to you know just blame the Tories for whatever's going wrong. <sighs> Um, and, you, you know, so the, the, you, the you mini budget was probably media. a contributory factor to the declining value of the pound. Though the pound is now, I saw was it on Friday, the pound was back up to where it was pre-mini budget. Well, that's my point. Yeah. I mean, look, so, so you, you, you seem to be my media right or wrong, that, that you, you, you absolutely won't be, won't be um, persuaded that there is anything disgusting about, about the media because I suppose it pays your rent and stuff well I, I, de- I think i think it's been you know asleep at the wheel for many of the bigger stories of the past two and a half years and could have done a much better job and what, that's one of the reasons the daily skeptic exists stolen election for example oh, oh I mean, stolen election twelve thousand five hundred. well which it was <laughs> the steal that's another that's that that's a, definitely another strike as far as paypal's mm. misinformation um uh, monkeys are concerned um, well, if you uh, rebadge misinformation as as true things that 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 the media doesn't want to want you to know about, then yeah, I'm sure I'm I'm guilty of that. <laughs> well, I'm I'm not saying you're necessarily guilty of misinformation. I'm just saying we're just f- for fun calculating how much you owe to PayPal at the end yeah, of this yeah. podcast. Um, but uh, what am I on at the moment? Twelve, twelve, twelve. I think twelve thousand five hundred. Right. Yeah. Um, well, do I trust the media? No. Um, uh, but do I think? Um, uh, I don't think that I don't think I think that I don't think that they are, you know, um, being manipulated um, by kind of dark forces in the background. Oh. I just think it's kind of, you know, they're just kind of uh, they're like a bunch of leaves just blowing in the same direction of the wind, whichever way the wind is blowing um, without without kind of having much courage or, you know, independent mindedness with some exceptions or integrity. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, 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 did, did you see that on the subject of our friend Guy, I thought Mandelson wrote a piece saying, "Am I the Michael Gove of the Labour Party?" It's like yes, it's but like, that was it, just that, that was disappointing. I actually I saw the headline on yeah. the front, and then I read it, and that's basically all it said. There okay. was no there was no kind of reflection on it, or, or it was just like. But it, it, a, it, I thought it was I thought it was paragraph. funny that. Um, you know, it used it used to be a way of insulting Gove to describe him as the Mandelson of the Conservative Party, and now he's gone so far that even Mandelson is wondering if he's the Michael Gove of the Labour Party. Um, but uh, yeah, did you see that on the front page of the Mail on Sunday, um, Gove was described as a sadist? I mean, it was in inverted commas; it had clearly been said by you know someone in Team Liz, someone in Downing Street. Presumably, trust it's trust herself. Whenever it says sources close to or fr- a friend yeah. of. 
bound yeah. to be. It was all. It was odd that they were. They were. They were blaming. You know his. Um, uh, comments, I guess, on not last Sunday, but the Sunday before's um, morning news programs. I think it was on Laura Kuntzberg's new show that he described the um, Laura, abolition of the top rate attack. How do you pronounce her name? That sounded well, a bit close to the mark. Well, <laughs> a bit accurate. Well, no, I like her. I think I'm a huge fan. So I did not mean to oh, imply right. anything by the way I pronounced her name. I, uh, I've always struggled with pronouncing people's names correctly. So apologies, Laura, if I got that wrong. Um, but uh, uh, he, he described... the describe, first syllable, I thought, which is pretty... He, he described <laughs> the um, abolition of the top rate of tax as morally indefensible. And that was kind of the yeah. beginning of the revolt on that program but it's odd to describe that as an act of sadism as though you know it's not a principled objection it's not because he's on maneuvers it's because he's a sadist and just wanted to torture this poor innocent vulnerable woman it's sort of playing the playing the female card a bit isn't it to describe your critics as sadists um uh, you know, playing the kind of vulnerable woman, which I, I never thought Liz Truss would do that. So I was a bit disappointed by that. Also, you know, I, I, I think the explanation isn't that he, he couldn't resist this opportunity to, you know, kick a woman when she was down because he's a sadist. Um, I think the, the explanation is clearly that he hasn't abandoned his own ambitions to one day become leader of the party. And I, I should stress, I'm not saying this with any inside knowledge. He has not disclosed this to me. Um, but why else would he be, you know, doing his best to undermine Liz Truss's credibility and when did you not see did you did you see him at the conference I didn't see him at the conference but um I um I saw him about a week before I bumped into him in a restaurant in uh, in Kensington um right. and very nice to see him it was right um yeah yeah I so, think so he still he can still do the do the old charming yes lovely, yes I got yeah. a I got a hug and how yeah. are you and uh is James all right? I'm a bit worried about him. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made That's that up. Funny. I made that up, James. Um, so, um, should we should we hear from um, our next sponsor? I think it's your turn. It's from our. It our, is our friend. It is Thor. my turn. It's from our friend Thor. Letter to a London caller. Dear London caller, I've met so many positive people since sponsoring this show, and I'd like your advice, please. The London Callers Coffee Club. This will be a business mastermind group to focus on, on what we still can do. After all, there are still deals to be done and business missions to deliver on, even in these crazy days. In my experience, doing business has been a lonely place for free thinkers since 2016. There's been a regrettable, if understandable, lack of individuals able to speak their mind on many issues, from Brexit to climate, Trump, ESG, or indeed whatever diversity gruel of the day they serve up. To be fair, coming out as a free thinker in the boardroom can now be as risky as an academic donning he his red MAGA cap and heading down on uh, heading on down to campus. This is where the London Caller Coffee Club comes in a private, members-only business mastermind group with online and in-person options. Our mission? To positively impact each other's enterprises and stay sane together. We have guest speakers, opportunity and challenge, brainstorming, business networking and face-to-face meetups. To hear more and to make your suggestions, connect linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Thor Holt or send a telegram at Thor underscore Holt. Sincerely, thank you for listening to London Calling, Thor. Okay, James, before we get on to um, an issue I thought we probably ought to cover this week, which is the Mm. elevated risk of full-on thermonuclear war, um, Mm -hmm. I thought we we might just mention the fact that uh, John Cleese has announced he's joining GB News. He's going to be presenting a one-hour weekly show, I think. Um, which is, I think, um, a pretty good endorsement for GB News. You know, I don't know if you've spotted, but recently it's been under assault from a number of kind of members of the liberal intelligentsia, like Matthew Sweet and David Aronovich, who've I been know, laying Matthew into Sweet. it. Yeah, where did he come from? He was just like a kind of. But a film person on Radio 1, wasn't he, or something? Well, I, wasn't, oh, well, well, I, maybe Radio 4. I, and suddenly he's built himself into this voice of the liberal consensus. Yeah, it's Bizarre. odd. It, wasn't he once um, the controller of Radio 1, or have I imagined No, that? that's um, somebody completely different. Is it? That's okay. Matthew Bannister. Okay. Um, let me. I'm just checking his... Um, 
Yeah, you're right. He's um, he's a presenter, not a producer. I mean, so he's he... an absolute nobody, and he's somehow I I don't know. He's sort of shoehorned his way into the public consciousness as this this kind of voice of the liberal left of left's avenger. Yeah, and he's been yeah. very he's been very rude about Neil Oliver and indeed Mark Stein, both of whom I'm very fond of. Um, and and the gist of it is that they've challenged the kind of orthodoxy about the COVID vaccines. That seems to be his kind of main beef. Um, and of course, Aronovich has kind of amplified, signal boosted these criticisms and thought, oh, look, Matthew Sweet's completely skewered the misinformation cesspit that is. GB News. I mean, it's uh, it's it's odd, um, you know, and they're both so closely linked to the BBC. You'd think it'd be a bit unseemly for them to be attacking, you know, a broadcast rival in such a kind of obvious way. But uh, yeah, yeah, hasn't 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 they have no them shame. In the slightest. They got no shame. Um, but uh, anyway, I thought it was good news that John Cleese yeah, yeah. has uh, has joined GB News. And apparently, he's going to be working with um, our friend my friend anyway, Andrew Doyle, on um, on a show. So maybe it's going to be free speech related. Maybe he's going to be presenting a kind of his version of Free Speech Nation. Who knows? But anyway, I look forward to that. And he's also making this documentary for Channel 4 about cancel culture because he himself, I think, um, uh, he, I think he cancelled himself, didn't he? When um, oh, that's right. When Andrew Graham Dixon um, was um, when he when he did a, a Hitler salute at the Cambridge Union to illustrate a point he was making, I think, about Nazi art, not because he's actually a Nazi. Um, uh, and uh, Cambridge Union president apologised and then kind of backtracked and apologised for apologising, and it was all a, a PayPal-like level of embarrassment. Um, and uh, and then um, Cleese then was due to speak at the Oxford Union, uh, sorry, at the Cambridge Union, but because, you know, he's famous for having impersonated a Nazi on... Faulty Towers, he cancelled himself. And I think that led to this commission by Channel 4 to make a programme on cancel culture, which I'm anticipating will be, you know, quite on side. And anyway, so I think that's great news. And I'm looking forward to appearing on his show, given that, you know, I'm, I'm now a regular. Oh, that, that was what that, that extended pin <laughs> was all about. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I await the producer's You're, call. Oh, by the way, Tobes, <laughs> mate, con- commiserations. I read the the Boris Johnson honours list. Ah, oh, yes. And I looked at the names and I saw Andrew Roberts. Yes. Andrew Roberts has finally achieved his lifelong dream. I mean, I, I've known Andrew for many years and he's, he's a delightful, amusing, talented fellow. But I would say his weakness is he's always been desperate to be made a lord. And he's always hobnob with lords he loves a duke and an earl and um loves he's he's, he's got the worst case of cocktail eyes of any person i know Ooh, at what, a party. What's, what's cocktail eyes i'm not sure i've heard that expression before. oh you you must know when you're at a party and somebody's talking to you but they're scanning the room simultaneously looking ah. to see whether there's anyone more important that they should be talking to rather ah. than ah. you Oh, uh, funny enough, I don't get that when I'm talking to Andrew. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I've always thought, James, <laughs> that 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 you can always tell when someone much more important than you is standing right next to you, right behind you, because the person you're talking to at the party suddenly looks you right in the eye for the first time, because they don't want to be thought of as this pangendrum as being the sort of superficial person that would look around for someone more important to talk to than the person they're talking to. So suddenly you get rapt attention from them for the first and only time that evening. But I wouldn't say that's true of Andrew. Anyway, he... he... Do you know, the, the, the weird thing is that in the last uh, couple of years, I've completely changed on that score. I, I All the people that one is meant to be impressed by, I so utterly despise. I think that they are they are satanic, probably. Um, you know, they got where they are by selling their souls. So I have no interest in in in, in them at all. I just think I I I would feel tainted tainted by them. So I'm always happy to talk to ordinary folk like you, Toby. Like, like but um, so, is it, is it, hence your like your like Kate Bingham. I don't know if you've because um, you remember you, you had that encounter with Kate Bingham, didn't you? At some I did. She's a gone. Event. She's um, lost it. <laughs> but did you, interesting. I don't know if you've been reading. Um, the um, extracts from her forthcoming memoir um, in yeah. the mail, but but she she sort of styles herself as a sort of anti-establishment rebel who I had know. to go it's, up against the kind of combined so forces of the BBC and the Guardian and the kind of 
liberal establishment who kind of linked her to Boris and accused him of cronyism and her of corruption of various kinds. Um, uh, and it's sort of it's, it's odd. It's like it's like suddenly she sort of wants to be the sort of James Dellingpole of the kind of vaccine task force, um, yeah, which was quite, her- quite surprising. <laughs> mRNA cake and 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 to have it and eat it. it oh it's, gosh, it, well, that, that, that doesn't sound very healthy. Um, no, well, yeah. exactly. Well, that's the, that's the problem. But she's making out that it is. Yeah, I don't. I don't get it at all. No, so the, the, there's no. The, the, okay, so she was disobliging about Matt Hancock. How difficult can that be? But but apart from that, she's. She, the, the, there seems to be no. This is the thing, Tobes. She had a she she had a really good education. She was she was the brightest girl in her year, not that the, the, that many girls at Christchurch at the time, but, you know, at the best college, in my view, in Oxford. You know, we weren't stupid. And here is this person, and she must have had access to all the information that is available about vaccines. And she hasn't said a word against them, has she? She hasn't sort of questioned the injuries or the, or, or the, or the need for the, the, the jab or any of this other stuff. And I, ha- I, had, a, I had a debate about this the other day with, with, a, with a fellow... Christchurch man who said well what did you expect James don't be, don't be ridiculous of course she's not going to to dis dis the vax and I, I was saying but, but what about the truth Do, does does truth not matter anymore you'd, you'd have thought that she'd, she'd concede some points but she she hasn't at all she, as far as she's concerned the vaccine rollout was a fantastic thing completely necessary yada 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 I think I think the the um yeah and I I, I wouldn't expect her to um Dwell, dwell on the um, evidence that the mRNA vaccines may not be as safe and efficacious as originally billed um, yeah. because she wants to, you know, take credit for saving Britain. Um, but uh, it, it, I thought the interesting thing about the fact that, you know, she felt very much as though the liberal establishment was out to get her. Um, and there were clearly kind of there was a lot of kind of division between different members of our political class um, and their media outliers um, uh, in that period suggest that there was no coordinated conspiracy, there was no plan, it was just the usual gangs battling it out for kind of supremacy and credit. Anyway, uh, I know you disagree about that, so no need to tell me you disagree about that. Should we, um, <laughs> should we, should we, should we just quickly, quickly broach the subject of whether we think uh, we are... I think Biden said, didn't he, that... Um, we are closer now to full-on nuclear war than at any time since the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's um, because he's the one that's that's ultimately going to be responsible for it. In fact, he'll probably he'll probably do some sort of false flag thing. If 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 he can't push Putin into obliging, then he will drop his own nuke and blame it on the Russians, and that will be it. The 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 deep state, the, the American-led deep state is absolutely hot for war and this is this is the playbook i mean they they, they were responsible for the first world war the second world war and the same people who who, who pushed for both those wars and financed them and engineered them are now pushing for the, for these wars and, I, and and it is it's just the deep state this is how they roll but why do this they is, want to they, why do they want a the, nuclear war because like war is a great uh, great money making opportunity especially when you're backing both sides and financing both sides but that may it be true gives of you a, a conventional war but is that true of a nuclear War. We're talking about psychopaths here, Tobes. They, 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 they don't, they don't care. They really don't care. So I was, uh, I, I, I joked with um, Nick Dixon, um, uh, the um, uh, host or sometimes host of Headliners and um, regular um, uh, co-host of the Lotus Eaters, and now the co-host of the Weekly Skeptic, the podcast linked to the Daily Skeptic, which goes out a day after this. I have to be careful not to repeat myself too much. But I joked with him yesterday, no, on Saturday, uh, when I was on headliners with him on GB News, that uh, if there is, if if if, if, nu- if a nuclear bomb goes off in, you know, Dagenham, um, and there's still time for us to record a London calling podcast before our skin starts falling off you'll say tobes tobes it's just a distraction it's just a distraction don't you get it don't you get it they're just trying to, this is just just more more smoke and mirrors um <laughs> oh you're not laughing well, I, it, I thought it, you it sort of is i mean it's it, it's not it's, it's not something that's happened that, that nobody no real person no real member of the public uh wants a war over over this child trafficking money laundering um Oh, wait a minute wait a minute two, two i think state. two strikes in one breath there james i think we're up to twenty thousand now 
Oh, and I forgot to mention the uh, the bio bio weapons labs as well. Um, oh, yeah. Ooh. No, no, nobody wants to go to war over 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 Zelensky or anything else. It's it's, it's only the the deep state who are pushing for it. And look, I, I wouldn't even let Putin off the hook. I think it's entirely possible that he's on board with this agenda as well. That 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 you know, it's it's they're they're all playing playing deep games. But yeah, it's not real. It's not like it's not like anyone. It's not like we're all sitting at home clamouring for this righteous and justified war. I think um, I think if there was actually an exchange of nuclear weapons, you could safely say things just got real. Um, but uh, let's hope there won't be. Um, shall, shall I um, shall I do our final ad before we move on to Culture Corner? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, thanks to big tech, we're all under a constant barrage of communication. When you're not being messaged, pinged or DM'd, you're being inboxed or at it. Through the actual letterbox, nothing but bills, direct mail and fast food leaflets. If you miss the joy of sending and receiving real letters, then you need eSnail. If you like the idea of a typed airmail letter that lets you choose fonts, add photos and then arrives in a quarter of the usual time, you'll love eSnail. Head to eSnail.com. Type or paste in your 800-odd word missive, add the address and press send. eSnail then prints, folds, securely seals and stamps the letter at the closest eSnail hub to its destination. eSnail print and post daily from hubs in the UK, the US, India and Australia to anywhere in the world with a physical address. Cost and delivery time depends on the destination. An eSnail letter sent from Mexico City to Hammersmith, from Hong Kong to rural Northamptonshire, or to Granny down the road costs less than £3 or less than $3.50 in the US and arrives in two days. London Calling listeners and all special friends get their first three eSnail letters for free. Use the promo code LONDON at e-snail.com. Get on the right side of the argument. Join the letter revolution at e-snail.com today. That's e-snail.com. Okay, James, um, uh, you recommended last week The Old Man, um, a new series on Disney Plus um, uh, uh, starring Jeff Bridges about a former CIA rogue agent who, um, when he returned from Afghanistan at the end of the Russian-Afghanistan war, um, took on a fake identity, lived undercover, and is suddenly flushed out and hunted after a kind of rumbled after what a um, a forty-year hiatus. Um, and uh, it's actually really, really good. I absolutely love it. Thank you for that recommendation. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. It, it, I think that the, I find it hard being asked to identify with a, an ex-CIA person as my hero. Um, and I think that there's, there's lots of sort of anti-Russian stuff which has been squeezed in there to prepare us for this, this, this war with the Russians. And I also think the scenes where he, you know, the scene where he, he meets a, a divorcee and, and yes. they, 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 they get it together. And there's too much too much drivel about the you know the the this this woman talking about her ex-husband and you you kind of think i really don't care just get on with that you know the your only function in this story woman is is to be the reluctant companion who gets dragged into this man's adventures we don't really care about your personality or about your past but apart from that i i think it's great it's um yeah i thought that was um, i i i thought it was i mean i i agree it did seem like a kind of um a, a, a slightly boring subplot and i suppose yeah. the idea is that you know because he's a widower um in the opening episode and it turns out his his wife died five years earlier and he's clearly a little bit lonely a little bit depressed not really taking care of himself properly and i guess you know as he goes on this journey to escape these kind of you know um squads of of specialists sent to kill him um and overcomes them which i imagine he will and eventually kills his nemesis um i imagine that he will also heal himself internally he's not gonna you don't think he's gonna kill john lithgow do you well john lithgow um we should say is um is his sort of chief antagonist i mean he's he's sort of an ambivalent 
um, antagonist. So he was kind of, um, you know, um, his CIA, he was Jeff Bridges's CIA handler back in Afghanistan. And um, uh, but he doesn't want the chickens to come home to roost. He thinks that, you know, he'll be implicated in some of the um, unlawful kind of extrajudicial activity that um, Jeff Bridges got up to in Afghanistan. And um, if, if, if he's caught, um, so um, he sort of tries to help him escape. And, you know, but it's not quite clear whether he actually wants him to escape or whether he wants to kill him. Um, but yeah, John Lithgow is very, very good in this, isn't he? He's he's uh, he's such a good actor. And it, I mean, the, the quality, I don't think the, the, the material is kind of good, but it's elevated to excellent by the caliber of the actors in the cast and particularly John Lithgow and Jeb Bridges. Both fantastic. I think so. I, I think so, too. Um, unlike, I, I've now watched, Tobes, I've now watched f- six whole ruddy episodes of House of Dragons. And you'd think, I mean, that's that's like six hours of TV, isn't it? You'd or more actually, because I think the episodes go on longer than an, an hour. And you would think, with all that budget and with all that time, it would it would finally have settled down into really compelling Game of Thrones type viewing. And it, how far have you got? Yeah, I've seen the latest episode. I think well, unless I think there's a, an episode released today, and I haven't seen that, so I think I'm up to episode okay. six. Or maybe you you might even have seen seven. Okay, I might so have I'll seen tell you, seven. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you my, my problem here. You, you remember I was I was saying look, I don't mind that some of the knights are in the courts are black. The ones with, who are called Sir S E R for some reason in in um, in George R R Martin's uh, thing. I, I don't mind that as long as it's explained why they're black, or as long as people people you know like maybe they come from dawn and so or, or there's, there's there's this bloodline that comes from some far, far off part which explains why you've got these black people wandering around this mostly white realm and i was thinking when is the when is the series going to explain this to us because there's got to there's got to be a reason otherwise if they don't explain it then it can only mean that they are asking us not to notice which is just absurd because you notice everything else you know you notice how people uh, buckle their armor you notice how you notice how everything it, it, the idea that you can notice everything else but but not people's ethnicity seems bizarre anyway this this finally comes to a head in episode six where you remember dragon woman princess Rhaenyra has has entered a marriage of convenience a dynastic marriage with a one of the black sirs who is gay and so they have an, they have an, they come to an arrangement where they're not going to shag each other. They, they're going to, you know, he's going to go off with his boyfriends and she's going to go off with whatever fancy man she fancies. Anyway, there's been a, there's been a light, a, a time leap between episode five and episode six. And sh- suddenly she's got three children. And there is court speculation that maybe the, 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 the white knight who hangs out in her household may be the father of these children but no one points out nobody points out the glaringly obvious fact that all these children are incredibly white there's not one of them with with even slightly coffee colored skin and yet nobody remarks on this as evidence of the of the the the, the, that marital infidelity now i think that's insulting the viewer's intelligence that that's woke is that that the the drama uh, and plausibility has been sacrificed for colorblind casting, diversity, whatever yeah. you want to call it. It's odd, isn't it? The, the hallmark of the um, children of um, who they the Targaryens is that is that who they are? Um, yeah, yeah. Is that they have the kind of kind of white dreadlocks? They have kind of grey white dreadlocks, including the children. Um, yeah. But then her, the, the children of um, whatever she's called, um, uh, uh, who are illegitimate um, because yeah, uh, actually gay, Rhaenyra, um, they, they have just regular hair. And that's supposed to be the telltale sign. That's why it's supposed to be obvious to everyone apart from her father, the king, that they aren't her. They aren't they aren't legitimate, that they're bastards. Uh, and yet, as you say, that's not the only reason it's yeah, that's not the only uh, that's but not the, the, only the other reason is goes completely unmentioned it's as though it's an unmentionable yeah it is yeah. it is slightly bizarre um but um yeah no i've i've um i think i'm probably uh, what happens at the end of episode seven can you tell me without giving away any spoilers? i'll tell you I, well i no, i've only seen episode six it's it there's this grisly childbirth protracted childbirth at the begin, beginning right protracted okay. childbirth at the end which okay, is so, no, that, so, I, so no I've one seen, wants this no yeah so i've seen episode seven yeah i'm up to episode seven i mean i was think there, it's 
I think it's all right. I mean, one thing that slightly threw me is that between, I think, is it episode five and episode six, there's, there's this kind of like 10 year or so yes. passage of time. And it's like, you know, I thought we were just getting, I thought everything was building to a climax, you know, and we we're about to see a kind of Red Wedding style explosion of drama um, when suddenly you just fast forward 10 years and nothing's really happened in the intervening 10 years. It's as though all those cauldrons coming to the boil are still percolating away. Um, yeah. I thought that was that was kind of that completely wrong footed me. And that felt like kind of uh, a poor bit of writing, actually. You know, they could have done, you know, that, that's like a seemed like a kind of, you know, a, a get out, a way of kind of avoiding kind of uh, actually the burden of having to create something genuinely exciting and dramatic on screen. Um, uh, yeah, so I thought that yeah, I, I, it's not nearly as good as uh, as uh, Game of Thrones. That's for sure. Um, it's yeah. pretty mediocre no. compared to Game of Thrones. It 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 really is. I, I I'm not sure I can I can last. You're about to give up anymore. So I, I've seen. Have you seen? And have you given up on Rings of Power? Because I think I'm up to <laughs> up to date with Rings of Power too. And I've seen all seven episodes. But I thought uh, at the end of the seventh episode, I think it was the seventh episode. I thought that uh, there was no preview of the next episode. So I thought crumbs. That's it. There are only seven episodes, but I think there is one more episode that's due to be released uh, this Friday, um, which will be the final oh. episode. And for some reason, there was no preview of that at the end of episode seven. Uh, but it did sort of feel like, you know, everything had been set in place and the season had come to a relatively satisfying conclusion at the end of episode seven. So I can't imagine now what's going to happen in episode eight, unless it's essentially just one long preview for season two. Um, but I, I, I generally I found um, Rings of Power more satisfying um, and I feel sort of more drawn into that world than I do the House of Dragon. Really? Yeah. Because I, I thought it, the, the whole point about about the um, ring piece of woke, whatever it's called, that, that, that it's it was going to be like it was just a, a joke that that you 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 only watched it to to be aghast at just how wooden it is and just how right on and and how everything. I don't know. No, it's sort of it. It's sort of at times it kind of uh, strays into that kind of almost parody, self-parody territory. But most of the time, it's um, it's quite watchable, I think. And uh, you do kind of, I'm I'm suitably intrigued. I want to know what happens next, and yeah. for that reason, I'll stick with it at least till episode eight. Um, so. Um, what are you reading, James? I'm I'm about midway through Doctor Thorne, um, the third of the in the Barchester Chronicle sequence, as read by Timothy West, and I'm really enjoying it. It's fantastic. Couldn't recommend it more highly. I'm going to have to get into Trollope. I think we've mentioned this before, because not least because he's into fox hunting and stuff. So so that's got to be a, a, a good thing. I'm still audio book wise. I'm 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 still on Utrid. Um, I can't remember how far. Oh yeah. I'm in the book where Uhtred is 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 with with Skilled the witch that he alternates right. between yes. abusing yes. and having sex with, right? Um, but she's clearly a wrong one. And I'm listening to the audio book of The Devils, Dostoevsky's The Devils, having been disappointed by his rubbish ending for The Idiot. Um, the problem with The Devils is that it seems to be it's political satire, most of which goes over one's head. So, so the, the, it, it's a group of kind of liberal stroke socialist stroke nihilists um, in... You, you can recognise the type. It's the sort of the bien-pensant, chattering class. Well, the kind of people that Matthew Sweet would be perfectly at home and David Aronovich, they would have been really happy in, in, in the, the group of these, of these like lefty agitators in, in the book and he would, they would have been right for satire. But uh, it's like... It's like overhearing a, com- a political conversation you don't really understand because it's in a foreign country and it's a long way away and, and it's, I don't know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll pick up. The, the plot hasn't started yet. Right, okay. Uh, listen, if you want a, um, uh, an entry-level trollop book, a standalone yeah. book, not part I of do. the series, but is a really good way in a perfect introduction, I'd recommend The Way We Live Now. Um, if you haven't read that, that's fantastic. It's about um, it's about a corrupt financier um, uh, and uh, and his his sort of rise and fall. Um, but it is absolutely brilliant and unbelievably contemporary. Um, so yeah, it's the, about about the Bernie Madoff of um, uh, the eighteen seventies in London. Um, oh okay. 
but but really good, really good, really entertaining. Um, one of his best, I think. Somebody's just just sent me James this fantastic um, painting. It looks it looks like a sort of poster, which I, I suspect was done in about what the 1910s, 1920s, I'd say. And it's a picture of a woman uh, riding side saddle out hunting, and, and there's some chaps in in red red coats nearby, and and the, the caption says, "Everything will kill you, so choose something fun." <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I wonder if it's real. I, I, I'd like that. I'd like that. Yeah. I'd like that poster. Yeah, um, if anyone wants to send it to me, yeah, that's a good, good thing to stick on your gravestone, James. Yeah, All right, exactly. mate. Good. Good to All talk right. to you. I think that probably right. exhausts our listeners' patience for one week. But um, delighted uh, them enough. I, yeah. I want to hear you've started the way we live now. This time next week, I want to hear your first impressions. Oh, okay. That's yeah. your task. That's your homework. Okay. All right. All right, okay. James. All right. Bye. All right. This is London Calling. Ricochet. Join the conversation.